Today, guys, on the Leadership to Wealth, we've got a special guest. He's uh, 30 years, uh, he's a CEO of 30 years, been in commercial real estate. He's the CEO of SVN Rock Advisors, and uh, he has been helping uh, a, a lot of developers, especially in the area of uh, commercial real estate, uh, rental apartment buildings, things like that. But we're going to be talking all things uh, commercial real estate as well as most importantly, some of the highs and lows of what it's like to be in that industry. Our guest today, Derek Lobo. Derek, good to have you on. Great, great to be here. And I look forward to uh, some, some great questions, some great conversation and sharing with your people some of the things that, you know, we've learned in our lives. I, I love it. I love it. I mean, we're, we're doing the uh, the the Black Shirt Brother. Uh, how, did, how did that here, happen? So. <laughs> They're not going to be able to tell us apart. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, which we won't we won't go any further than that. But but Derek, let let's just kick it off. Um, you know, you've been in commercial real estate for so many years. Yes. Uh, why commercial real estate? What got what you got into that world? You know, that's that's such a great question. I, by profession, I'm a metallurgist. That's the engineering of steel. Oh. And, you know, I used to work for Canada's largest steelmaker, a company called yeah. DeFasco, right? Great company. I loved working there. And I recognized that all my fellow steelworkers made a great industrial wage and they all had money. So at a relatively young age, in my 20s, I started raising money with my fellow steelworkers. So I, read, I, I formed some, some limited partnerships where I was a general partner and they were the limited partners. And I raised money from them. I started buying apartments and I, and I bought 100 units, okay, with all these steelworker guys. Yeah. But when I got in the business, I looked at, and I'm an apartment guy, like I'm a commercial real estate guy, but I've got a very narrow niche, okay? I want to say this respectfully, but... In 1987, 1988, when I started, I saw the biggest, worst industry I've ever seen in my life. So you have these okay. buildings worth $20 million being managed by a guy being paid $14,000 a year. We had rent controls. Buildings were always full. You know, it was almost like the passport office. Hey, if you don't want the service here, go somewhere else. Right? Yes. So I thought okay. to myself, what if I left the steel mill, a lot of, a bunch of other things happened. Like I wrote some books on, 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 on the legislation for rental housing. I own some apartments, you know, and so I, I got an education there, but after looking at the business, I thought to myself, man, this is the largest, most unsophisticated industry I've ever seen. Okay. So Neil, I can't go to Microsoft and turn it around. Okay. Okay. But I could come to the apartment industry and help apartment owners run their buildings better, be more efficient, make more money, create training and careers for people in the business. And so one day after a series of things happened, I found myself in the apartment business, right? <laughs> okay, yeah. And that was a good 37 years ago. Now, as time went on, I kept finding more and more niches in the business, right? And look, the narrower the niche, the bigger the opportunity. Fair enough? So I'm yes, going to ask absolutely. you guys, your listeners, do you want to be a lake one mile wide and one inch deep? Or do you hmm. want to be the Marianas Trench? Yes. Fair enough? So right. I always chose to go after high value, low volume targets. 
Fair enough. Okay. So I wasn't yeah. looking at making a yeah. dollar a million times. Yes. I was looking at making $100,000 10 times to get the yes. million dollars, right? Yes. And so I got in the apartment business. I provided a number of services over the years where I really got to understand the business. Okay. And then it dawned upon me that I was almost in a position, Neil, to, to predict who was going to buy and who was going to sell. So at age 50, I opened up a brokerage firm. Right. Okay. Yeah, we've yep. got twenty. We've got twenty-five employees today, and uh, and and so I started selling apartment. This is what I do. I sell apartment buildings and and okay. and the big ones. Right. Yes. You yes. Know, whenever I meet my aunts and uncles, they go, "Oh, you sell real estate? What's going to happen with the price of housing?" No, 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 not that kind of. I don't know what's going to happen with the price of housing. I can tell you something about apartments <laughs> or, or not. You know what yeah. I mean? Right. 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 I I so, saw a house. I saw a house over here. Do you think it's a good deal? Exactly. Exactly. You're right. Or, or yeah, yeah, exactly. So I got in the apartment business. No and problem. then even at that whole idea of getting narrow and narrower, I reckon there's a lot of good brokers in the business. I've got, there's some excellent people mm -hmm. who are apartment brokers throughout Canada. I do not want to go head to head with those guys competing with them. Okay. So I focused in on new apartment construction. Doesn't mean in okay. five years or 10 years, I'm still going to be doing this, but I focused on new apartment construction. And basically what we did is we, we, we spent our time teaching developers how to build apartments. Okay? So they already know how to construct it, but unit size, unit mix, you know, that, that, that kind of stuff, financing. So, so we created this, this process of helping people build apartments. So if you were a hotel developer, how do you pivot yeah. to apartments? If you were a condo yeah. guy, and we created nine steps, wrote a bunch of books yeah. on the top, right from land acquisition to disposition. And because I did that, we're in a position now to sell the buildings when they're built. Yeah. Uh, Neil, I call it the five-year listing pitch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because it's it. that long for when you buy the land to when it's ready right. to sell. Right. That's right. That's my that's kind of my story as to how I got into the business. So then the the question that I'd love to ask off of that is what is the real barrier for people to get into commercial real estate? Because I know that it's not really it's not about money. You can always find money. So what's the real barrier when it comes to commercial real estate? So as an investor or a developer? Um, we, I guess more as an investor, um, because as an investor, like, like, let's say we put a group together and we bring the money. We've got the money. That's great. Great. Okay. Now, yeah, okay. Now, okay. I, I, now right? I understand the question. So yeah. I've structured a number of joint ventures. I call that number yeah. four on our chart here. Okay. Yeah. Finding the money. Okay. Yeah. So guys like you, guys like investors can go and find the money. But when I'm structuring yeah. a joint venture, here's the three questions the money asks the joint venture partner. Okay. All right, guys, get your, get your notepads out. Here we go. Three right, questions. Right. Hit us. It's not just the questions, Neil. It's, it's the order that you ask them in. Okay. okay. So I got it. You've I've gone and raised a million dollars. Okay. I want and, and that's your business. Okay. You need to you need to know how to do that. We can talk about that in a minute. But now you're looking for a joint venture partner. Okay. What I'm looking for my joint venture partner is is really is really three things. Number one, who's the guy? And the reason I'm joint venturing with him is because of his skill, his character, and his integrity. Okay, but yeah. in that order, character, integrity, because, and skill. Okay, yeah, because you don't know what's going to happen in the future. Nobody could have predicted interest rates would have gone up, right? Nobody could have predicted whatever's going to happen, right? So, what happens when the partnership agreement 
doesn't 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 contemplate some event occurring. How does that person behave under stress and so on? So therefore, you have to visualize yourself sitting across the table from this person one or two or three years down the road with some scenario occurring you couldn't predict, right? Yes. Who's the guy? Second yes. is, where's the deal? Because if it's not in my geographic footprint, I'm not going there. It doesn't matter how good the guy is, right? So first, who's the guy? Then where's the deal? And then the third thing is, okay, now what's the deal? What's mm -hmm. the hurdle rate? What are the returns and things like that, right? And then those are projections. So when you are when you're doing this, I think the people who are writing the checks, ten guys are writing a hundred thousand dollar check, fair enough, and they're writing a check to you. They're counting on your ability to go find a deal. Okay. Yes. So what's your process? What's your criteria? And if you're picking a partner to work with, right? Because as the deal gets more complex and bigger, the skill gets higher. Okay, mm -hmm. so the skill of what I think is the skill of raising money is one skill. Yes. And the skill of managing and maximizing a property is another skill. And as mm -hmm. the deals get bigger, you I think there's two different people doing them. Yes. Yeah? Yes. No. OK, so so what I heard there is. You know, when it comes to why don't what's the difficulty is. You've got two different people. You may have, you may be able to get the money. A group of us may be able to get the money together, but then the ability to find the deal and manage the deal is a whole nother. It's a different skill. Skill altogether. Yeah, there are some guys, there's some people that can do both, but yeah. I think as the deals get bigger and more serious, yeah. then it's probably two different skills or some real estate guy with a good money guy behind. Then there's investor relations involved, right? Yes. Because yes, if yes. you do a good job, your investor is investing a fraction of his wealth into your deal. Yeah. He's looking to see how you do on this deal. To put Absolutely. In more. And then Absolutely. when he needs money, he'll roll that into the next deal. So when I'm putting clients in deals, I'm talking about the developer's pipeline. Yes, they've got two deals now, but look at their machine. This is how they look for land. This is how they do planning applications. This is a, they're getting ready for 10 buildings, right? Yeah. Because it takes a lot of like the one thing I've learned is that wealthy people do not have a lot of time. Do they want to spend the time with some guy who's selling them and pitching them a deal or someone saying, I don't think this deal is for you, but this one might be da 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 da, da right? Yeah. So I think raising money is about asking good questions not making a slick presentation. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes, I agree. I would I, I would start with, you know, tell me your story. Yeah. I want to know who you are. Tell yeah. me about your children. Yeah. Where do you see the dangers, opportunities, and strengths in your world for the next two, three, four, five years, right? I want to have a good discussion with the person and then I can direct them to an investment. Yeah. I, I think people miss, a lot of people miss the boat. They're always saying, I get asked this question often, you know, how do I find investors? How do I find investors? You know, I can't seem to, and, and I'm, and I'm always amazed how people don't take the time to really get to know the person on the other side, yeah. right? You're, you're so busy thinking about what you can get that you're not actually thinking about where are they at and what do they want in right. their life? Right. Yeah, it's not the pitch deck that's going to get them on board. 
it's about understanding the client and matching yes. them to the deal you might have, right? Yeah. And, and and more about than you just talking about the deal. The reason that they're making the investment with you is because they believe you have the wisdom, the hard work, the, the fortitude to choose a right partner and get the deal done. They're buying you. They're not buying the real estate. They're not yes. real estate people typically. Okay. Yes. Look, I've done a whole bunch of syndications, limited partnerships and things like that. Nobody ever drives by the building. Nobody ever visits the asset. They just don't. That's just reality. Right. Nobody's right. ever taken me up on a tour, ever. Okay? They're betting on you. And then when you realize yes. that, your presentation gets very different. Right? Yes. One more last thing I'll say about it is if, if there's a group of people, if you get the leader, the other people will follow. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Good. So. So let okay. So you you've you've talked about you know in commercial real estate you've got people that may have money you've got someone else that needs to be able to manage it and and do that but it always seems like in commercial real estate it's always some massive company that's that's doing that. Are, whereas with residential you can get a lot more of. Uh, smaller groups, people starting out, people that maybe have got a uh, limited experience, but they can get started in on the residential side. Is it possible for someone new in the investing world to be able to get to the commercial side and start there? Or sure, should sure, they sure. really be starting sure. with residential? Well, but let's, let, let's just create definitions here. Yeah. So when you say residential, you mean a house or a duplex or something house, like that. Duplex, right? qu yeah, fourplex, right, whatever. Right, right. Yeah. So, so I can tell you that the first place I bought was ten units. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it was it was more than two units. Yes. Right. I actually lived in a triplex myself, which I bought and converted. And maybe if there's time, we can talk about the book I wrote called "The Self Funding House." But if there's time, but so that was my that was my start. I started with a triplex. Where I lived in the basement as a single guy, I rented out the upstairs and the you know the two other floors above me, except. But then I thought, man, I like this business, but I don't have the money to do it. So I went out and I raised the money, right? And I wound mm. up buying one, two, three, four buildings. Okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four buildings what, over. What over was that? Number. What was that like trying to go out and raise the money? You know, for for that first go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, luck. I didn't know what I didn't know. Okay? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think at some point, and I say this with, with, with respect, but you know, when you first start, you've got to fake it till you make it. Okay. Right. What they're buying is your, is, is you, your character, your confidence, and a little bit of your bravado. Mm -hmm. Make sense? Yes. Yeah. A little bit. And, and I, was, I was making presentations in people's houses. I'd say invite a few friends over, but I noticed if I got the guy whose house we did it in, the other people got in the deal. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I had a funny situation just uh, this this past weekend. Uh, four guys were looking to buy a property. At, uh, they're actually buying four properties and um, and they're trying to close and they're delaying. They're delaying. And they uh, one of the guys who was a friend of mine called me in and said, hey, can you can you talk to the guys? We're trying to make this decision. And uh and so it was Sunday night at eight o'clock. Hmm. And and I thought I was initially just getting called in to consult, to advise. And they called me in and I and I'm on the Zoom. And uh 
and they introduced me. My friend introduced me and said, you know, here's Neil. And and now all of a sudden I was the leader of the group. And I just said, all right, guys, uh, what's going on? It's eight o'clock on a Sunday uh, night. Are, are we doing this thing or, or not? Yeah. And um, and there were a couple of questions. But what was interesting to me about it was there were no further details that got conveyed, no facts, no instructions that got conveyed in that conversation. Literally, uh, one of the guys was worried about what happens if something bad happens. Mm. And I was like, well, that's your job. That's why we make money is we're going to get in there and make sure we do our due diligence, make sure things get done. But what was interesting to me was when it was also, and, and he jumped on board and when it was said and done, I thought there was no further information that was added. Okay, here, we're going to structure this this way, or here's how the legal process works. He was just concerned and it one person had to have the confidence. confidence yeah, the exactly what you said. Yeah. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm kind of trying to say. Yeah, yeah. You still got to know your business. Yes, yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. So when I meet somebody, I ask them one or two really hard questions, and if they, at which I know, and if they get those right, I assume they know the rest of the stuff. Yeah. Right. We're on the same page, right. man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I think it's it is funny to me, but I understand when someone is, you know, someone's just starting out, they. They always want to have all of the details. They want, they're afraid that they don't have all of that. And they and want to show every spreadsheet and they want yes. to show every yes, yes, yes. yes. yes, 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 yes. And, and they don't realize confidence. that most You're people. selling confidence. Yeah. 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 Good. Uh, oftentimes people want to know that you know the details. They don't necessarily want to know the details. That's all they want to know is that you know. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So. So you've got, so you're getting in there, you get started, you start trying to raise some money. And uh, uh, what what would you say are some of the, some of the early learn, learning curves that you had sure. in that process? Sure. Um, you know, I, I would say to people, stay in traffic. Ooh, tell us more. Stay, stay in, traffic. in traffic. Yeah. Stay in traffic means you read, you attend seminars. This works really well when you're young. You go and you ask yes. older people to be your mentor. Okay. Yes. Look, I've had I've had seven mentors in my life. Some of them I never paid. Some of them I joint ventured with. Some of them I paid. But those seven people have helped form me in my business life. Fair yeah. enough. I've also yeah. had personal mentors who've helped form me in my personal life. I've had spiritual mentors who helped me know Jesus better. You see my point? Yes. Right. Yes. So. Look for people who are way ahead of you, usually older, because they because they want to mentor, right? Yes. Look, when yes. I was in my forties or fifties, and someone came and mentored me, I go, "Listen, I'm too busy. I'm in my mid sixties now." Someone comes to me and says, "I want you to mentor me." I've got a lot of time for that person. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, because yeah, absolutely. I'm at the stage where I want to have a legacy, I want to share what I know, and things yeah. like that, right? So, yeah. yeah. So let me ask this question about mentorship specifically. Yes. People are always saying, I, you know, I can't find a mentor or how do I find a mentor? And uh, I've got some thoughts on it, but what, what would you say about for someone that's, that's trying to find yeah. a, a mentor to help them in an area? Yeah, yeah. Well, 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 aim high. Don't, don't get a dumbass mentor. 
Do you know what I'm saying? You need to get a top quality person. Yes. I would say I would look for someone who's written a book on the topic. Mm. Like aim high. Okay. You want to punch above your weight class. You might get a few no's, but aim high for your mentor. Yeah. Okay. Look, a mentor in two sentences can save you from a mistake. They can pick up the phone and call someone. I want you to help my friend Neil. Yes. Fair enough. Yes. Look, I've had a number of mentors. A couple of times they said to me, Derek, I don't think you should do this. I thought yes. I was smarter than them. I did it. They were right. Okay. So yeah. So I would just yes. say for a mentor, like, I don't know if there's a, a way to find a mentor, but number yes. one, be genuine. Okay. Number two, offer to pay them. Most won't, most won't take the money even. Mm. Most don't even take the money. Right. Offer to pay them. Respect their time. Yes. They're busy yes. people. Don't yes. just go to them. Well, what do you want to talk about? I got this problem. No, no. You go in there focused. Right. Yeah. Yep. No. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think I, there's a path to finding a mentor other than maybe a little bit of luck too, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I part part of what I would say about you know in terms of finding mentors, you're going to have to talk to somebody. You're going to have to put it out there. You're going to have to ask people if they know people and and uh, and get it out there. And what I find often from the people that I hear that say they can't find a mentor, they can't find a teacher. And what I find is oftentimes they're not actually prepared to be a student and, yeah. and be able to, to sit there and, and listen to that person to really I, I, value. I would, I would argue that the mentor will sometimes spend more time than you do. So for example, I meant, I mentor, I've mentored 15 young people in a medical school. It's my hobby. Okay. I help, okay. I help people get into med school. Okay. Okay. And I'm 14 for 15. So I've coached okay. 15 and 14 have gotten in. And yes. the best one never got in. That's the irony. The best guy, the brightest, the, because he wasn't a good interviewer. 50% of your score is marks. 50, this guy was stiff as a board. Right? Mm. You've already got, look, you're not going to get into med school unless you've got good marks. Right? Yes. Yes. Typically. But you got to go, you know, okay, yeah. What do they call someone who graduates last in med school? Uh, a doctor? Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so once you get into med school, there's a 100% chance you're going to graduate. Yeah. So that's what I tell these guys. Quit talking about your marks. You've got to have three interviewers here. You've got to get past those three interviewers, and you're a doctor. Yes. So, and so they spend 20 years getting high marks, and then they spend prep for one hour before the interview and it's worth 50% of the mark. How much sense does that make? So I've got a whole process. I put them through, I make them do homework. And when they come and meet me, which is usually on a Saturday morning, um, I say, come dressed like you'd come for the interview. Right. And while I'm interviewing them, I yawn. I go, okay. And they get all buzzed out. I said, well, wait, if you're the 30th person that's being interviewed by that professor, he's going to be tired. Don't let that yawn throw you off your game. Yes. Do you see what yes. I'm saying? Yeah. Yes. Cool. So I, I, I love it. Good. Well, med school? How how did commercial real estate Derek oh, Noble get right. into <laughs> what, 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 I, I have three daughters and one of them is a yes. physician. And I think I wanted her to get into med school. You know, a typical Indian parent, right? Got a well, one's a physician, one's a lawyer, one's an engineer. 
Well, almost physician, lawyer, and university professor for my three girls. But you know what it's like, Neil, right? Right, right. So, 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 yeah. But and, and you know, she's very thankful now that I helped her. But I just created a process where I'd wake up every Sunday morning. I practice on video. This is that twenty years ago, whatever, right? Yes. So, but so then I realized that I enjoyed doing it, and then she started sending. And most of the girls that I've coached because they just had friends who just yes. heard about it, you know, yada, 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 yeah. But I'm not just helping anyone, okay, getting get yeah. the med school. I mean, we only have yeah. so much time yeah. and things like that. Yes. I'm, yes. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned I'm, I'm a good Catholic boy, okay? I have, <laughs> yes. I have a belief system, yes. okay, uh, you know, in terms of sanctity of life. And yes. what I want to do is help people who believe what I believe, you know, yeah. uh, get into med school. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Um, the calling. That's yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I, and I think that's tends to be a natural progression as you get older, wanting to be able to pass that on, wanting to be able to help others. And, and somewhere along the way, you realize you can only help a so many people, but B you can only help people that really want the help on top of that, because there Many you people go. People say there they want go. it. Yeah, but... don't, don't send me someone who's not motivated. Yeah. Don't yeah. send me someone who's going to come late for the meeting. Right. Yeah. And then, and then Neil, you know, and you're going to die. You can't, you're going to die. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's, <laughs> it's funny. I've just been going through this process. If you leave all your money to a charity or to your children when you die, you know what you're doing? You're tipping on the way out. It's not even yours. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's the first time I've ever heard that. No, it wasn't me that said it. It wasn't me that said it. It's a guy named Bill Perkins who wrote this great book called uh, Die With Zero. It says, you're tipping on the way out, man. So start giving it away now. Start spending it now. Yeah. It'll have much more impact than when you're gone. Okay, you, you've got you've to talk a little bit more about this mindset. We're going to break into this a little bit because... Most people think the goal is to make as much as you can. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully later on in life, you're going to be able to enjoy some of that. But you're really pointing to, you know, you've got to do, you you've know, got I, to be I, doing I'm going to just summarize this with a dear yeah. friend of mine. He said, yeah, hit it. Earn as much as you can, give as much as you can, save as much as you can. Earn as much as you can, give as much, give as, as, much you can, as you can, save as, you, save as much, much as you can. can. Okay. Can can you say more about that? Help us out. This seems well, like a we got some real nuggets of gold should, here. You should earn as much as you can. Yeah. Okay. And I have a, a presentation. I have another hobby. Yes. And it's I, I I go into high schools or to young people, and I have a speech titled. God wants you to be rich. Okay. Mm. And the reason God wants you to be rich is so that you can help a hurting world. Okay. Yeah. You know, they, they talk about, you know, the, the, there are a few workers in the vineyard. I believe there's many. There's more people. To, we need more people to support them. I've met some wonderful young people who do volunteer work, selflessly giving years of their life, but someone needs to fund them. Yeah. Right. So that's what I mean yeah. by sort of, you know, give as much as you can and, and things like that. So, yeah. 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 I mean, I think oftentimes you can people sort of get the idea of earning as much as you can. And everybody and, gets that one. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, although what's interesting to me about that is uh, oftentimes it's very easy to see where someone has a block in terms of that earning idea, right? Like uh, you'll talk to people and they can, they can get an idea. Oh, I can make this much, but they can't, they can't imagine that they're, that they can make more. Yeah. You know, I, I, I you know, I think, I think people say your first million is the hardest. Yes. Right. Yes. Your second million takes a, a few more years, not a lifetime, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it snowballs. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's a, it, part of it is just way, the way the mind is trained. And I, I like to share the story with people about if I ask my kids, you know, if, if you needed to, could you make $10? And they'll say, yes. Even my, my boys that are teenagers now, and they'll, they'll say, yeah. Why? Because they, they know how to go out and shovel some snow. Uh, if you needed to, could you make, could you make a hundred dollars? Well, they went out and they made $250 shoveling some snow. So they're like, yeah. And now if I ask my boys, can you make a thousand dollars? They're like, uh, and they kind of get stuck. I ask my daughters who are a little bit older and they, of course, will start thinking about a job and most people will get there. And what I find is that most people then top out somewhere around a hundred to $150,000 because they, the mentality is, well, I just don't know. How would you multiply anything beyond that? Well, yeah, and, they, you know, and they got stopped. I'd go back to your boy's example in shoveling the yeah. snow. And you can make more than $1,000 shoveling snow if you hire someone to shovel for you. Yes. <laughs> and you just concentrate on getting the business. Yes. Right. Yes. All right. Good. Yes. Have you, in all of this stuff, have you ever had any times where, um, you know, like you mentioned about going into a deal that perhaps you shouldn't have, and what are some of the lessons that you've learned? Can well, you tell well, us a little bit about some of that stuff? <laughs> My life has been littered with failures. Yeah. Right. And and every failure has been a huge growth opportunity. Okay. So take the failure as fuel yes. to put in the furnace. Okay. And I would say that I've had both personal failures and I've had business failures. Okay. Which one do you want me to talk about? Let's talk on the personal side. Let, let's let's hear a little bit more. If I had to go back and live my life all over again, yeah. okay, here's the three things I would have done differently. Okay. Yeah. Number one, I would have got married earlier. Okay? okay. My life from 20 to 27, I don't think I did anything meaningful. I just a guy running around partying, blah, blah, blah. I didn't settle down till I got married. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. So yes. number one, I would have gotten married earlier. That's kind of countercultural to the way things are right now. But I I'm tell with you. you. Yeah. I really I got my act together because I think my wife, who was just a just a good woman, straightened me out. I straightened out to be able to qualify. Yeah. Does that make sense? So so that's yeah. number one. Uh, number two, um, and this is personally for me, I would have had more children. I would have had more children. Yeah, the, the, the joy that my three daughters have given me and the grandchildren that they've also now had uh, eclipses anything else I've had. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, yeah, I, I would have had more children, right? Wow. Yeah. 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 And, and then that, that one that one resonates with me completely. I, I Now, I've had four kids, but I've 
I've talked with my wife. I said, for all of the fun that I have in this world of speaking, uh, you know, yeah. doing stuff in real estate, all of the all of the fun that I have, I don't care, beaches, any of it. Not if if when my kids have grandkids, when they start having kids, I was like, I don't know if there's anything that's gonna top it for me, right? Like that's yeah, yeah, yeah that's, no, I, you right? are, like you 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 are correct. So that, that was number two. Yeah, number number three was was pretty serious. Okay. Um standing where I'm but standing where I'm standing here now, about I think it's about eight years ago, I had a heart attack in the office okay. in front of a client, right? Yeah. I would have taken better care of myself. Mm. Right. So that was that's pretty Health. tough. Have a hard time. No, not, now I've smartened up and so on. But I didn't need to wait for that wake up call to have this happen to me. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Th th those would be the sort of personal things that I think I would do different. Probably buy less Nortel stock because it went to zero, but that's minor. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, would you Would you do anything differently in terms of your career? Yeah. 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 Um, you know, it's funny. I sometimes think about the way my life has turned out. I felt blessed. We all should yeah. just living in Canada. Yeah. And I go, you know, I wouldn't want to make a different left turn because who knows what would have happened if I take that left turn. But but with that, as far as general advice looking forward, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would have taken more risk earlier in my career. Yes. I would have taken a ton more risk because I've realized that the failures were more important than the success I've had in life. They actually taught me more than the success. Look, when someone's successful, you think you're a genius, blah, 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 blah. Timing could have been, you just could have been lucky, man. Right? Right, right, right. So I, I think yeah. I think I would say that the fourth thing is I would have taken more calculated risk, good advice risk. I would have, you know, managed the downside, whatever. But I yeah. think I would have taken more risk. And I'd say the fifth, I would have hired better people earlier. Yes. Rock and roll, yes. baby. Those are the five. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm I'm curious about your thoughts there on calculated risk. How how does someone take more calculated risk? What would you yeah, say? About you that? know, look, the nature of risk is risk. Okay. But I would say that I would just when I lost, I was not getting the wise counsel of other people. Yes. That would have either prevented me from just getting in that situation or when I got in, it helped me get out faster. Yes. That, that, yes. that would be what I would say. But look, we're, if you want safety, then become a school teacher. Only two or three percent of people are actually wired to be entrepreneurs. Right. And let's thank okay. goodness there's another 97 percent of the people who are willing to help us. Right. So absolutely. So this is not. And that's the one realization I came to. This is what I've chosen to do. It is not for everybody. Yes. Entrepreneurs yes. make that mistake. We think, oh, why does nobody want it? Why does nobody think like yeah. us? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I actually very much with what you're saying. I think people need to if you're thinking about doing these types of things, I would actually advise most people against it unless you're prepared to be a little neurotic. I mean, to some degree, they're prepared to lose. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. a great, that's a great way to look at it. I mean, I, to me, and I, and I'm sure to you, there's a great deal of enjoyment in that process. 
because you know you talked about failure as fuel you you enjoy it because each time you come out you're a little bit smarter you're, to some you're, degree you're, you're actually a little bit sometimes addicted to risk yes yes uh, i i didn't realize it how much ego even plays into that right like you get you actually you really do wow that's interesting can you say more about that you get getting addicted to it well every time an entrepreneur finds himself in a lull yes they go get into trouble again <laughs> as soon as i have time i'm finding the thing to do it's the nature of an entrepreneur i love when an entrepreneur tells me he's going to retire i just start laughing Right. I sold my business. Six months later, he's opened another business. Yes. Yeah. And yes. you're going to be an entrepreneur till you die. That's that's my conclusion. Yes, yes absolutely. OK, done. So done. Yeah, a, absolutely. All right. So um, what what keeps you motivated these days? What 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 has you still inspired to have this kind of energy to to stay in this, uh, in this space and well, commercial you know, real yeah, estate. Yeah, yeah. I, I think what allows you to keep your energy up is by doing your unique ability. And yes. what do you really love doing? If I come to work and I've just got five things on my agenda that I love doing, it's not work. Okay. If I come to work and I do five things I hate doing, some operational things, some HR issue, meeting with my accountant, all the things that entrepreneurs don't like doing fair enough yeah yeah that's that's not a great day i spend i work hard at delegating the things i'm not good at right yeah. you know, i'm in a program called strategic coach with a guy named dan sullivan really has helped me oh, yeah. one thing yeah. dan said is he said if you work on your weakness all you're going to have is a strong weakness yeah so i delegate my weaknesses away yeah and I work on what I'm good at doing. I work where I get to be. And what I like doing is to be the opposite of what you like doing. So my job is to surround myself with people who love doing what I don't like doing. Mm. And vice versa. Make sense? So so what is it you love doing these days? Um I I I am a I'm a I'm a in front of the camera guy. Fair enough? Yeah. So yeah. so I love having a public presence. Yeah. Okay. And so I like speaking. And I like selling and I like thinking about new ideas that fill the gap that are going to occur in the future. If I'm doing those three things, speaking, making complex sales presentations and looking for gaps in the market, I'm a happy camper. I've, I just want to ask you in terms of, you know, in terms of seeing the next thing, what, what are your thoughts on AI that we're seeing this explosion in AI right now. Yeah, you know, we've, 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 yeah, I, I've spent actually a lot of time talking about um, understanding AI. Just like, you know, I, I, it took me a while to understand blockchain, right? Mm -hmm. That was hard. This is easy to understand, right? Okay. Um, I, I just think, I just think AI is going to be dramatic. I don't think we know. AI is like the internet, man, right? Like we just didn't know how it was going to play out. And so I think it's, it's early in the game, but it's going to affect a lot of things. And I think the people who don't stay up with AI are going to become a little redundant. But the good news is it's pretty easy to catch up. It's easy. Okay. That's what I would say about AI. It's just going to come. It's going to be there. It's so simple. But I, I would I would get ahead of it. We're trying hard to stay ahead of it. Yeah. Well, so what, what gaps are you starting to see show up that perhaps you can let us in on that you're excited about? Well, I, I think that 
the mistake people are going to make with AI yeah. is they're going to produce content, but they're not going to promote it enough. See, okay. everyone thinks just producing content is the answer. It's not. Yeah. It's producing yeah. killer. Look, if I had had more time, I would have written a shorter letter. <laughs> okay. Right? So yes. gobs and gobs and gobs of content is just yes. going to bore people. Right? Yes. So write great stuff, have great graphics, promote the heck out of it. So AI can lead, I think, a lot of people down the wrong hole here, the rabbit yeah. hole of saying, well, yeah. look at all the content I can put up there. Yeah. Nobody wants to read. Yeah. As opposed to thinking of the quality of what they're putting out and, uh, and its the, impact. And I would say the the boldness, the the creativeness, the yeah. taking risk and saying, saying something. If you say something wrong, no one's going to remember anyways. Like, don't worry about it. Just yeah. Just, yeah. Okay. So tell us a little bit, of, just as we start to wind down here, tell us a little bit about your book, uh, Self-Funding House. Well, you know, I... Uh, you know, I'm sitting here at this point in my life and I thought I want to do something that's going to be significant. Okay. okay. And so th this guy from Google Alphabet, his name is Astro Teller. Um, he, and there's this video talk on the moonshot. He talked about the moonshot is find a huge problem. Okay. Have a radical solution and then use technology to solve the problem. So you take those three circles. When those three circles intersect, that becomes the moonshot. Okay. So I yeah. sit there and say, well, what do I know about solving a world problem? Well, I happen to work in an industry. It's a huge problem right now, and that's affordable housing. Okay? So, And there's a whole process. So I wrote this book called The Self-Funding House. It's on Amazon. Okay, It came out okay. last week. And the day it came out, it was the 94th best-selling book in the world. I don't know if you get a little badge for that, but it was number 94. Okay? okay. All right. So it's a simple, it's a two-hour read because I know people don't want to read anymore. And basically, the book answers... This question, how do my children afford a home? Okay. And the answer is they become landlords. Okay. Yes. My first house was a triplex. I cut it up, I rented it, paid up the house quickly, you know, and, and, and started doing it again. Right. Yeah. And then the other thing is how do we create affordable housing? Well, it's not building a 40-story tower in the sky, which is going to cost four thousand dollars Putting in a backyard apartment, a basement apartment, a, a laneway suite, they'll cost fifteen hundred dollars. So you help. So if you do this gentle density, okay, which is what I'm talking about, yeah. and now it's becoming possible to do from zoning bylaws and easing up and things like that. Yeah. If you convert your basement to an apartment, you can afford a bigger house, cheaper, blah, blah, blah. You can just afford one. You create affordable housing. It's green. We're not cutting down more forests. We're not putting in more roads, right? It's all there. All the infrastructure is there, right? And then the last part is I am a I am, a, I am a conservative by nature. I want less government in my life, right? Government, yeah. so I want to say to the government, get out of the way. If 3 million, there's 7 million houses in Canada, okay, about, right? Mm -hmm. If less than half of those people put in basement apartments or garage apartments or back, we would solve the housing crisis and we could, boom, no government, Overnight. no subsidy. In fact, it's going to generate tax revenue because now you'll pay legal taxes on that duplex, which you should be doing anyways. The book yeah. is about the mind shift. Again, the yeah. mind shift is how does a young person afford a home? And then the other point I make in the book is your first house is your first business. Those skills I learned in that triplex I had brought me here today. Yeah. Right. So it's about a mind shift. So where does, uh, I mean, you're in, 
you're in apartment buildings. Where do apartment buildings fill it, fit in? Well, um, they, no, no, they absolutely fit. Look, this is a, the, the affordable housing problem we have, it's a global issue, right? Yeah. Is a multivariate problem. There's no one solution. These buildings yeah. in the back are part of the solution. Better financing is part of the solution. Better tax policy, gentle density, right? This is this is a huge problem, huge problem. Yeah. And I would say this: there is enough housing in Canada for everybody. Just like there's enough food in the world for everybody, it's just in the wrong places. There's yeah. 12 million empty bedrooms in Canada. Right. We got to find a way to sever those houses, cut them up, divide them up, and so on. Yeah. We have to look at the problem differently than than we are right now. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. I got that. Yeah. Okay. So what are you what are you on to next? What are you excited about uh, for the rest of 2023? Uh, shall we say, Derek? You know, I, I think I've it's it's it, it's more of a personal goal. I, I focused a lot more um, on my on my on my physical fitness, right? Yeah. On my mental capacity. I, I, I spend more time reading more time watching youtube videos more time taking courses right yeah um and and so i'm i'm focusing in a lot on my on my physical mental spiritual state right and then that just creates so much more energy to do the business work yeah does that make sense yeah, yeah and, absolutely and and you can afford to do that later on in life when your business is running and you've got some money in the bank and so on. Right. Yeah. I get it. You're running ragged when you first start up. I've done that. Right. Yeah. It, it had yeah. consequences for me, but, but yeah. now I'm at the place more where I'm focusing in more on, on personally, I would say I'm really not interested in stuff anymore. Like, I mean, look, right. I, I just like you, you know, this, th that's not good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm interested in is experiences. Yeah. Experience, yeah. yeah. Relationships, experience, and things like that. Yeah, that's why I wrote the book. I'm not in the business of selling houses or duplexing houses, but I had some yeah. knowledge, I had some creativity, and I put it together in this. It's called. Oh, if you want to find it, you know, the selffundinghousebook.com. Okay, and it's available on Amazon. It's like twenty bucks, right? Love it, love it. Um, okay, so Derek, let me. You've got the book out there. You're still working in uh, commercial real estate. Yes. You're you're still mentoring medical students, and uh, you're speaking more and more. Uh, are are you on social media? And how can people find you if you are? Yeah, just just just, just Google Derek Lobo. I've got a Facebook. I've got a Twitter. Got an Instagram. Right? Yeah. 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 Or go to our webpage. Uh, rockadvisorsinc.com and that, that'll be and, and and it's all there yeah i'm pretty act, i'm pretty active on social media and i kind of post what i'm thinking for the day love it yeah. love it that's great well derek uh, thank you so much for coming My on the pleasure. show today sharing oodles and oodles of wisdom with us and uh we really appreciate you coming on today good pleasure all right Take thanks care. a lot guys this is uh, another episode of the leadership to wealth podcast and we'll see you again next week